Hello, and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel, and if I was going to skip an episode of this show, instead I would probably be cuddling cuties and get smooches and just generally being gay, and I, that really shouldn't be surprising to anybody out there. I'm Brian Dawes, and if I were going to skip this podcast, I would be sleeping, because fiscal year ends are crappy for me. I am tired as hell. Brian has a real job. Like an adult. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, we're down to, to minimum podcast crew this week. Uh, everybody's not here except us. Because they're a bunch of losers. We can insult them as much as we want and they can't do anything about it. Uh, no, we're nice to our friends. Uh, they all have good, legitimate reasons for not being here. So uh, we're just going to go with the episode. It's going to be short. So you're welcome for that. Um, and yeah, Borthos cast. So for news, we don't actually have any magic news this week, but in a rare cross promotional event, uh, let's say a little bit about Runeterra, the new digital card game by, uh, Riot, who makes League of, Leg League of Legends. Uh, this just went into beta. There are invites. You can go sign up at their website. You can follow them on Twitter. You can check out all their stuff. It seems neat. Um, if you like magic, then this is the part that you should pay attention to because a bunch of ex-Wizards of the Coast people worked on this game. So if you remember Mel Lee, who used to work in the creative department, uh, she was working on a bunch of stuff, I think around uh, starting in Dragons-ish, around there, um, and then was helping write Magic Story and doing world building through what her last story, I think, was for Conspiracy 2. Um, so, and then in main sets, uh, she had stuff in um, Battle for Zendikar and Shadows of Innistrad blocks. Uh, she was the lead narrative designer for Runeterra, so... Uh, super proud of her to make that move. Uh, she had left and gone to write a couple years ago for Motsi. And uh, she's a pal, and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy she got this whole project. This is, this is very exciting. I'm, like, way more interested in this because uh, she's on it. And then uh, if you remember Sean Main, who uh, was a great designer search 2 finalist and uh, was the one responsible for Conspiracy. Uh, he was one of the, the game designers, uh, as well as uh, James Hada, who who was at WotC. Uh, so the there's good folks on this game, and I'm very excited. And having that kind of uh, WotC connection um, and, and have Magic Vaults working on that gives me a lot of hope about it as a card game. I'm excited to hopefully get an invitation to the beta at some point. Uh, there's like a couple ways you can like sign up for a new account, get you a better chance, or you can like watch streams or play League. I think I don't remember the whole thing, but uh, it seems cool. Uh, the animation's adorable. There's like, I it's cute. A lot of stuff's cute. It's it's all like the same League lore stuff, which I know zilch about. It's weird to walk into a card game and be like, hey, I don't know what any of this lore is, but this is cute, which I guess is what a lot of people think about Magic a lot. Um, yeah, I've kind of forgotten that feeling. I've played a, I've I played League of Legends a lot during college and a little bit after college, so I'm familiar with a decent amount of the lore and a lot of the characters. So I, I can definitely appreciate it. Um, 
maybe I might give it a try if I were to get some kind of email because I do like I have logged into League of Legends recently, but I haven't played anything seriously in a while. But um, it looks interesting, and I might give it a shot, but I doubt it because I barely play enough Magic as it is. So just one more hobby to get into. All I know is I don't I don't know what a Poro is, but I want to cuddle like fifty of them. They are adorable. I will give you that. <laughs> like, you you hand me a round ball of fluff with a big happy grin on its face. I'm gonna snuggle the hell out of it. <laughs> and, and that that's my take on on League of Legends world building for now. Um, but otherwise, uh, that's that's really all the news for this week. And our feature this week is we are continuing to cover and catch up with the Gathering Storm stories. So uh, this week we're covering chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. And then next week we'll finish out with 18, 19, and 20. So uh, 20 gets published this week. So that's the end. And that's going to be exciting to be over. And then who knows what we'll talk about after. We have a Halloween episode penned into our schedule, and we still don't know what that means. So (laughs) by who knows, I mean literally we have no idea. Uh, We'll figure it out. We'll let you know on Halloween, (laughs) around Halloween, I guess. Um, Anyway, so chapter 14. Um, Up until now, the uh, RAL and the Coalition of Guilds has been collecting... uh, locations around the 10th district to put up these resonators to bend the ley lines of Ravnica to unlock the guild pact so that Niv-Mizzet can gain the powers of the living guild pact and fight Nicobolus. So the last location they need is in Golgari territory and Vraska's assassination of Isperia has separated her from the team. So uh, the location they need is in the crawl city of Grekospin. And it's this like huge open cavern with like crawl resin and rock pillar structures. So Rao leads an army with Kaya, a bunch of Orzhov knights and war priests and some uh, Boros scouts. They march right into the city and it's empty. Except Braska is standing in the middle of the town square. It's a trap! Shh! They don't know that yet. (laughs) So Raoul wades out uh, with the... uh, He brings the Boros Scouts with him um, as as protection. And and he he stands like 20 feet away from Braska because he's like, Hi, I ain't getting close to you. I need time to react to your petrification eyes and stuff. He thinks it's this whole diplomatic thing. And and the army starts to, to move into the cavern. And then... Raska's just stalling because all these explosions happen and all of the pillars and structures around the city start crumbling and they collapse the entrance tunnel um, into the cavern and like fracture Ral's army into a bunch of tiny little groups and the crawls start pouring out from the ceiling and little hideaway places to engage the much smaller uh, units. Um, there's Devkar and elves there too. Uh, so, like, all these tiny little brawls start all over the city. Um, so, uh, during all the separation, Vraska, and then she has Mazarek and Zedek by her side, um, She move, they move to engage Ral personally. And uh, Mazarek starts awakening all these zombies, and Ral keeps blasting them. 
in the meantime, the tide of the battle shifts dramatically when uh, the blockade in front of the tunnel gets burst open by all these it vehicles. They're like spider mechs and like bipedal mechs and like rolling tanks and all these just like random stuff that like shoots fire and has claw arms and has rockets. It's like just like ridiculous inventions that are like one of them I think is described as like being on fire while the goblins are trying to pilot it. Um, it's very amusing and very is it. If this story had come out before like the set had come out people would have given Mizium tank a lot less grief like th this this scene specifically would have been amazing and a lot more would have been made over that Mizium tank in a positive way than it was in a negative way or it, it would counter the negative negativity that it got prior to the set being released maybe um i don't it wouldn't have saved the submarine though that's true <laughs> um so uh, while while Raal is trying to save himself from this assault, uh, Kaya gets stuck in the tunnel, and then she she's fighting these trolls and uh, kills a troll. And so she's trying to take a route, a side route into the cavern, and uh, this Ordershaw war priest uh, says, "Hey, follow me. I know this shortcut." And then Kaya, who is smarter than that because the orchard aren't that cunning um jumps just jumps out of the way just in time to only get nicked by the war priest's knife because all of a sudden this priest is turning on her and trying to kill her and then so she has to to kill the priest and uh the priest doesn't really give up her secrets but uh the hierarchs are angry so uh uh, Maserat kind of disappears, and uh, Vraska is uh, bearing down on Ral, and uh, Ral is backed against the wall, and Vraska is right about to strike him down, and then, bam, slamming into the ground is Aurelia herself, and she like holds out her arm, and a magical beam of blinding light uh, shoots out and like manifests as a sword, which is pretty cool for a cop. <laughs> And she starts dueling Vraska in, in sword combat. And um, I demand trial by combat. Pretty much. Like, people forget Aurelia's like a warmonger in a way that the previous Boros Angels were not. And like, that girl likes to fight. So uh, she ends up like shattering uh, Vraska's cutlass and is like right about to kill her when Zedek just like unleashes this psychic scream um and everyone's head is like pounding um and aurelia is like braced against the psychic attack and is like slowly bearing forward and zedek's like dude frasca you can't win this fight you have to run you are my friend and i would like you to not die and Vraska's like but you're also my friend and zedek is like yeah, and I'm going to die for you, skedaddle. So Vraska runs away, and as expected, Aurelia's sword cleaves Zedek in two and slices him up. And and Vraska is forced to retreat, and the uh, the army of the United Guilds seizes the land. And, and so they are able to uh, bring in Azorius uh, law mages to set up a whole bunch of wards and like build walls um, and build the final resonator. For clarification's sake, 
we are talking about the albino crawl, not Lord of the uh, the Old Dead, Lord of the um, Demir, because the names are very similar. That's Zadok. This is Zedek. You know, one starts with an S Z and the other starts with an X. But they're pronounced very similarly. And it, for a second there, I had to remember, like, wait, what are we talking? Oh yeah, never mind. Look, I still want to believe that. A Gyrim is out there somewhere in the multiverse, and Zadok's ghost is still there, but that's headcanon. We'll cover that if we ever get an A Gyrim plane. Yep, so that's chapter 14. So uh, in the next chapter in 15, uh, Ral is back at Nivix coordinating um, the construction of the final resonators, and Tomic shows up. And Tomic is like freaking out. And this is the first time he's ever, like, been to Nivix. Like, he and Ral, like, don't go in public together because of their stances in their guilds. Um, and Tomic is Tomic is worried that Tessa is trying to murder Kaya. And Ral is, like, really angry because all his things are going wrong. Because he's like, it's going to take three damn days to get these resonators up on running and we better have three days otherwise i'm gonna freak out and like also crap Vraska was supposed to be our friend i'm still mad about her betraying us uh so they get into a little spat and it's very awkward and uh tomic kind of storms out it's almost heartbreaking so then we cut to kaya who's in her opulent bedroom and and she is freaking out because there was just an assassination attempt on her from her own people, and she's used to being in the shadows, clandestine, able to run from her enemies. She's used to being the assassin, not the assassinated. Yeah, right. So she is, like, in public, in a room where everyone in the guild knows where she lives, and that's very uncomfortable for her. So she's, like, uh, so, like, uh, she hears armor clanking outside, and a knight knocks on the door, and she, like, can tell it's not the normal guards. She's like, well, crap. I guess I'm just gonna have to skedaddle out of here the cool way. And she ghosts and slides through the floor. It's a trap. Into a room full of paladins and priests. And, uh, they, um, oh, she, she had received a note to meet someone down in the, uh, stables. Um, so she she thinks she's making an escape and falls right into a trap where they uh, cast a binding spell, which uh, makes it very difficult for her to go intangible, turn into her ghost form. Um, she does end up um, escaping from the room. So she's running, running, running and engages in combat with some folks. And she like jumps down a stairwell and like painfully ghosts her hand in and out of existence as much as he can on each floor to drag it ever so slightly on the walls so like she's falling down like dozens of feet but slowing herself down so that she doesn't hit the ground too hard like she just jumped from like a couple feet up which is like really cool i love Django's metaphysical descriptions of things oh me too it's it's really enjoyable, and like I really hope we see Kaya in the Netflix series because I want to see this stuff animated so bad. Yeah. So she gets down into the basement and then finds that uh, there's a bunch of people down there, and uh, she tries to duck into um, a room that is locked, and then suddenly the door unlocks, um, and she goes in, 
And there's a man already in this stable house. And it's Bolus. Uh, who is like, hey, looks like you're in some kind of pickle. I could help you with that. I can help you get out of the uh, the contracts here. And Kaya's like, no way in hell. You're evil. I know that now. I'm not taking any deals from you. I know you're lying about helping my world. I know you're a terrible person. And I'll figure my way, my own way out of this. Thank you very much. So she storms out. Um, and she sees Tomic outside the stables. Uh, the Tomic is the one who sent the note. Um, I do like that the story... Um, faked that it might have been Bolus who sent the note um because i'm pretty sure Bolus is the one who sent vraska the note to go assassinate Esperia, yeah or to let her know that Esperia was unguarded and to go down there um so like i like that this teases that it might be a Bolus manipulation but it's actually just tomic trying to protect her so she goes over to tomic and is like oh no help also, I thought you liked Tessa, and Tomic is like, yes, I do like Tessa, but she is making a very dumb choice right now. And I also like you and would like you not to die. And then they get attacked by, like, hundreds of thralls that just, like, crawl out of all these dark spaces. And they're like, well, crap. And she, uh, Kaya hands Tomic a knife, and Tomic kind of, the way he looks at it feels like the way, like, someone who really doesn't want to fight or knows how to fight looks at a knife. Um, like, Tomic seems like he's a huge dork and a huge nerd <laughs> and wouldn't be good in combat at all, which is silly because he's a two-mana 2-3 two, flyer, which is crazy. <laughs> um, uh, well, to be fair, he has a gargoyle. Um, and then all of a sudden, bam, zap, whoosh, a bunch of uh, scorchers, uh, Vyashino scorchers, um, and uh, Ral show up. Because, like, Raul, Raul did end up following Tomic and being like, hey. I got you. I love you. I'm not going to let you, like, go at this alone. I do care about you, like, and I would like you to not die. So uh, Raul swings in and saves them. And uh, Tomic is like, look, Kaya, I know how you can solve your problem. Okay? I've looked through the laws. And I got some good news. You're going to be fine. Um, so Kaya goes back in to Orjova, um, and confronts the hierarchs. They're sitting with Tesa. They're all like, Kaya, you need to die because you're terrible for a guild and you are going to cost us a lot of money. And Kaya's like, well, I don't think that's going to happen, hierarch, whatever your name is. Because I got, when I killed Karlov, I got control, all his debts, all the deals he made passed on to me, which means I can call on the debts for the deals he made whenever I want. And see this? And she, like, tugs on that Hierarch's debt to Karlov. And uh, it's like, I can call this debt whenever you want. So unless you and you want your spirit and your entire family and all your children and their children, 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 children to be serving me forever, you should do what I say. And then the hierarchs are like outraged, and she tugs on another one, and then like they are immediate um, the immediate threat to their wealth and sovereignty um, gets them immediately on her side, and she's like, and Tasa's like, well, I don't have any debts to you. Good, you're under arrest. <laughs> yeah, and Kai's just like, fine, hierarchs, arrest her. 
or else I'm calling in my debts. And they're like, well, okay, Tessa, you're under arrest. And Tessa, like, storms off, like, before they can even grab her. And so, like, the guards just follow her back because she, like, knows she's been outwitted here. Tessa's not entirely a good person. I keep saying this. Like, I adore her as a character, but, like, she is... She's kind of a bad person. She's, like, an almost reasonable billionaire who thinks that she is doing the right thing and does some very good things, but is still a billionaire. She's still got to eat her. Sometimes you really wonder how... (laughs) how someone would be if they were raised a little bit differently. I feel like Tessa, had she be given a more loving situation, she might be a little bit of a better person, but the circumstances in which she was raised was kind of like, eh, it's kind of, it's kind of sad, but I, I, I loved how Django just had Kaya walk in there and flex on them. It was amazing. I, I loved it. It was great. Kaya's fantastic. She's so fun. Um, Like, even the way Django writes the description around her is really fun. Um, Her personality proliferates into the prose around her. Django does that with all the characters, which I think is, like, really, really, really cool. But for me, Kaya's my favorite. The the way he writes Kaya makes her my favorite out of all of these stories so far. And it's, I really love him for it. And that's chapter 15. So chapter 16 begins with uh, Rao and Tomic walking home in really heavy rain, so heavy that when it's pouring around Rao's little storm protection spell, it's almost a complete sheet of water separating them from the world. And Tomic like, leans in on Rao and then, like, pulls away because, you know, they shouldn't be in public together. But then, like, as they they have a cute little conversation about how, like, they're both really anxious, and um, but they both, like, want to be more intimate with each other and... Rao's like, look, I want to tell you about more things, but like, and Tomic is like, but they didn't have a, happen on Ravnica, did they? And Rao is like, oh, you're so clever. And Tomic is like, ooh, and like holds his hand. And it's the cutest thing. Like, I love them so much. They are the multiverse's best couple. And like, they just are. So then we get more Rao backstory. So this is back to uh, the plane where he first planes walk, uh, but 10 years later. He has uh, become a master inventor on this world and taken on his own apprentices. And uh, he has been planeswalking around and uh, acquiring pieces and researching to build a better accumulator. Um, So he has like a final design in his head that it's not quite there yet. Um, But he's finally built something with like the backpack and the gauntlets that like closely resembles what he wears today. Then the old man with the toothy grin shows up and... He's immediately like, Bolas. And Bolas is like, sup? And Ral is like, well, I guess locks wouldn't work on you, would they? And Bolas is like, well, I find politeness to be much greater barrier and whatnot. And he's like all smarmy about stuff because he's here to try and bend Ral to his will to call in Ral's debts. And uh, Ral is like, I don't know you anything. And Bolas is like, oh, but... I'm the one who let you be a planeswalker. I'm the one who pushed you to the edge to ignite your great power. I've made you what you are today. And Ral is like, um, wait, so what was the point of making me extort all those people for rent money? And Bolas was like, I was teaching you the things that were important. And look at all you've done with those skills. 
you've gotten to become a great inventor by doing crimes and killing people. And Ral is like, look, thanks, but I'm doing okay. And I owe you nothing. And you know what? I think it's time for me to actually leave this world because you can't offer me anything in this place that I don't already have. So see ya. And he planeswalks back to Ravnica for the first time where he's like, look, I'm not going back to Torvna. I'm going to the 10th district to make it on my own, which I assume eventually leads to him joining the Izzet because that would make sense because that's where he ends up as a great inventor. We then cut to Vraska, who is in her throne room and wallowing in loneliness and frustration. She is bemoaning her identity, really, at this point. She she starts, she's really angry, still at Ral, and is like, look, I'm an assassin. I've always been an assassin. How did I forget that? Damn Ixalan, damn Jace for making me forget my true self which is really like the identity that was kind of imposed on her by the cops and society that like got her arrested and stuff before she even was an assassin. Like it's very toxic. It's like very, as someone who suffers from a lot of anxiety and depression, this is like legit. Vraska's at a point where she is believing the terrible version of herself that uh, her insecurities tell her she is and that the terrible people in her past have told her she is. And uh, she is internalizing, like, all the abuse and all the trauma and is like, look, I'm this assassin person and I would really wish I could just forget people like Ral and Jace. Um, But, like, there's a little bit of Jace voice in her head as she's remembering that's like, hey, I didn't make you forget who you were. I helped you see that you had a choice in who you were. And she's like, stupid Jace, forget you. And then there's a knock on the door, because she has a visitor. A lady visitor from the Boros, with a big gash on her face. It's already becoming fungal. And she immediately realizes Bolus. So Bolus is like, hey, look, you lost that fight. You lost that city. And Frasca's like, damn it, I know, and I feel bad about it. And Bolus is like, look, but I got a job for you. And you have a very special thing to do. And if you really want to get back at Rao, which I know you do, you will go disrupt this plan he has. He has this beacon thing. And he's like, look, build an army, go attack it, please. And Vraska is like, no, that's going to get more of my people killed. I'm not doing that again. And Bolas is like right about to like coerce her and lean into her. And then she turns around and is like, I will go kill him myself. So she like goes over to her throne room uh, armory thing um, and is like looking at all her like swords and outfits and stuff she's collected. And, and she puts on like her old assassin armor from when she was trying to kill Jace a couple years back. And uh, she sends uh, Storev, the leader of the um, erstwhile, off with a mysterious command about Mazarek. Because she, she is starting to not trust the Crawl leader. And that's chapter 16. So chapter 17, which is the last chapter we're talking about today. Ral meets uh, Lavinia down in a club, bar, tavern thing called the Smoking Wreckage. 
this isn't where the regular is it scientists go. This is where like the crazy mad scientists who end up like setting half a city block on fire go. The people were about to who were about to lose it all to do something crazy to try to get back in the good graces and then either it works or it doesn't and it's catastrophic or magnificent one way or another. It's the is it way. But yeah, it's it's actually like really cool. Like they describe there's like they they don't want people to overhear anything, so there's like no bartenders. Everything is automated through these like uh, plate constructs, um, which seems pretty cool. Raoul meets Lavinia in a booth, and she is like she has bags under her eyes. She is battered. Her hair is messy, and Raoul is like, "Girl, what you been through?" And she's like, "Look, I'm close. I've been cracking the codes. I've been following Bolus's informants." I think I know who's behind it all. I think I can track him down tonight, which is good because Bolus is on his way. He is coming tonight. You have to get your plan in motion. And Ral is like, okay, but it's going to take me like a couple days here. And Lavinia is like, we do not have time. I'm going to go find this agent. And Ral is like, look, I think I know who it is. Very dangerous. And I would like to go with you. And Lavinia is like, no, I have to do this. I'll have backup from the Azorius. I'll do it myself. I'm good. Get the resonators up. Rao goes back to Nivix and is firing up the resonators. He's, he's getting all the uh, all the pieces together. Everything's going fine. Um, then we cut back to Lavinia, who is chasing Tezzeret down the street and is like, look, he's not even like looking over his back, trying to escape. This is weird. Thank God there's a Thopter next to me. These Zorius are here watching me. We'll get him. There's nowhere he can hide. And and so he goes to a location that she had already tracked down as, like, one of his meeting spaces. Um, and she is ready to um, spring the trap where she chases him into the arms of waiting Azorius arresters. And so he goes inside, and she peeks around the corner, and then she runs to catch up and kicks open the door. And the room is empty. None of the Azorius arresters are there. There's still a thopter buzzing around, looking at her. And then the cloaked man turns around to reveal dreadlocks in a metallic arm. Because it's Tezzeret, because, like, who else would it be? Because it's Tezzeret. It's a trap. It's it's a trap. There's lots of traps in these sets of chapters. So Tezzeret commands his constructs to attack Lavinia. And uh, she's doing okay, but then they, like, nick her on one side and then nick her leg and then she's down... She, she asks him some questions about, like, the mind control stuff. And Tezzeret's like, well, most of the time, uh, Bolas can do it himself. But on, on some people who aren't that willing, sometimes I have to get involved. So he has this, like, spiked mind control collar thing that uh, he snaps onto Lavinia's neck and lets Bolas's mist-like essence control her mind. Which, A, awful, dumb Lavinia. What are you doing? But, like, it's perfect. It's like, this makes Tezzer the femme fatale, which is, like, great. <laughs> so Lavinia is now found herself in the very noir situation of potentially working for the person she's trying to bring down. Because morality doesn't exist here. Everything is shades of gray. But also, like, it's just evil mind control. There's still very strong morality. But also, be mind control collars? That's pretty hot. Anyway... So Ral is, you know, everything's going fine in Nivix, and they're firing up all the resonators, and, and they, they get them all, and like the ley lines are connecting, and uh, everything's going great. Ral can, like, feel the magic in Ravnica straining against the machine, 
um, and it's strong, but the machine is starting to bend it. And he's like, yes, the plan is going to work. Hooray. And then all of a sudden, explosions, glass shattering, machinery exploding, screams, blood, darkness, because one of the resonators has overloaded, blown all the circuits, had a bunch of feedback, everything is destroyed, people are dying around him. He's like, what happened? And they let him know it was resonator number two. And he's like, that's the one we built deep into Zoria's territory. That was supposed to be the, oh my god, we've been betrayed by Dovin Bon. And this is the part where the bolus trap really starts to snap shut. And all the little pieces he's put in position around Ravnica to sabotage all these situations uh, are starting to snap shut. And this is the point where Ral is like, mentally communicating with Niv Mizzet and is like, uh, boss, we screwed. And Niv is like, yes, it appears we are. And Ral is like, well, we have one desperate gambit left, and that's the planar beacon. And Niv is like, yup. And that's the end of chapter 17. Rip Gullifin, best goblin. Right? So Django did this thing where he gave this goblin a name and gave her lines and let her do important things. And then she died. And I was like, no, but she got a name. And now she's dead. And now I feel bad because she's dead. And I liked her. I've been emotionally manipulated by this con artist who is doing things to my heart that I did not consent to. And that's the magic of writing <laughs> and storytelling. Good job, Django. Even though I, I hate you right now. No, like it was legit sad. It was. It was, but it was very well written, and I will give him that. But still, don't still not happy. Rip Gullivan. So we we are. Uh, that's it for this week. That is the kind of uh, everything almost went right chunk of episodes and chapters. So uh, next week is kind of the the final battles that are going to lead up to the War of the Spark novel because. Uh, Chapter 20 is not out yet, but it looks like chapter 20 is like very literally going to end very literally where the War of the Spark novel just, just kind of abruptly starts. The last three chapters are a doozy, so. Yes, next week is going to be, we're going to have more people back next week. Uh, I know Jay will be back next week. So uh, yeah, next week's chapters are a lot, a lot of things. Stay tuned for that. I guess it's final thoughts time because that's kind of it for this episode. So uh, my final thought for this week is I am tired because I talked a lot because, Brian, there's nobody here. Sorry. So sorry. I wish I could talk more, but I'm also very, very tired. I have had a busy week. I've worked a lot this week. It's, it's nice to be working again, but like my brain is like tired. Creative work is still work. Don't let all, all you artists out there, regardless of your medium, don't let people tell you that creative work isn't real work. It is mentally exhausting which can become physically exhausting so keep doing all your artsy stuff because it's dope agreed um my final thought is that uh everybody be sure to get some rest because i'm going to <laughs> so uh uh and i i i, I just want to reiterate how good i think django wexler's writing on this on these chapters has been and 
if for some reason you haven't been reading them on your own and just been listening to our recaps, I really highly suggest that you go back and read them. They, they are just so good. The good news is um, this week is going to be the last episode. So if you've been waiting, you can now just read all. So so Wednesday will be the uh, the 20th uh, chapter 20. Um, so you will be able to read all 20 chapters just all the way through. That'll be easier if that's kind of your thing. So it'll, it's like a short novel altogether. Um, so if, if you've been waiting for it to be done to read it all at once, this is your week to do it. Also, my other final thought is it's flu season. Get your flu shot. I'm not Jay, but... Yeah, get your flu shot. Chris had a great, uh, great point. So yes, get your flu shot. Yeah, get your flu shot. Uh, Chris is one of our live listeners. Uh, that's a cool thing you can do if you head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. So we have a couple tiers on there. The uh, Everyone who donates um, gets access to our Discord community, which is where we have Vorthoses from around the world discussing the ends of these fantastic stories, uh, continuing to discuss all the neat stuff from Eldraine and getting a little antsy about Theros. It's it's close. It's coming. It's soon. And then uh, we have a uh, at our second tier, we have uh, monthly short episodes called Pull from the Deep that are exclusive to Patreon and our uh, patrons on our higher tiers. Uh, they're just kind of an ancillary little episode where we talk about whatever, just kind of whatever topic behooves us that month. They're they're not really themed to anything in general, um, but they're fun little episodes where you uh, get to hear about topics that we wouldn't normally talk about on the show or uh, hear about a topic that is near and dear personally to one of us and, and get to know us a little better. So uh, those are neat. And then uh, at our highest tier, uh, you can do live listens. So uh, we record... Uh, Thursday nights around 7, 7.30 Eastern time. So if that is a time when you are normally free and uh, you want to help support the show and get not only episodes early because we record a couple days before they go live, but also like spend some time to chat with us before and after the show and like talk with the other live listeners as the show is being recorded. If that sounds cool, that's a thing you can do also. It's dope. Sometimes you get to tell Brian to say things. It's fun. <laughs> So, uh, you know, you know, and like if we do, uh, so we had playmats, uh, commissioned, uh, art commissioned, and then we produced playmats, uh, earlier this year. Um, that's a thing that we opened up to our listeners and patrons first. So, uh, if we're, I don't know, that went kind of well. I think, I, I think I would like to do some kind of merch thing again in the future. I don't know. We don't have anything specifically planned, but it's like something cool. And so so anything like that we do in the future, we open up to patrons first. So, I mean, that's that's not really like a highlighted perk, but like it's still a perk. We like taking time to give our patrons uh, uh, a little bit of a head start on those kinds of things because we super appreciate all y'all for helping this show get produced every week. So thank you, everyone, for listening, patron or not. And uh, this has been the Vorthos Cast.